following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know Him and make Him known. Uh, today, now this uh, message title is going to be really kind of uh, misleading, but at the risk of immense embarrassment, I am going to show you a picture right now. So you want to bring that first slide up? How dare you laugh? We were cool. I mean, 50 years ago, we were cool. Uh, but, you know, I look at that. We'd been married at that point in that picture. We'd probably been married 20 minutes or something like that. And uh, I love the deer in the headlight look. It's like, and, I, and I've been looking at a picture the last few weeks and, and wondering what was going through our minds at that point. And I kind of started to figure it out. And so if we can go to the next slide. Um, and, and, and as empty-handed as I am, I, I was actually thinking something also. <laughs> you see, we weren't exactly the couple that anybody... You can just bring the next slide on. Um, we weren't exactly the couple that was picked to be the forever couple by any means. Uh, we came from kind of different backgrounds, and she was in high school, she was kind of the popular kid, and I started out as the nerd until I learned to play guitar. Uh, yes, guys, guitars do get the chicks. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and we, we just, it seemed like, you know, we weren't all that compatible, and yet here we are, 50 years, three weeks, and one day later, and still at this. Um, and I am not going to stand here and tell you, wow, our marriage is perfect. It was, it was just such a great ride. Every, we never had any rocky moments. We never struggled. That's not true. We had our ups and downs, and we had our struggles, and we had our tears, and, and we had our, uh, an immense amount of joys. And I'm very, very thankful. And uh, I know she gets embarrassed when I do this, but I give her the ultimate credit in all of this because I'm not easy to live with. So this morning, the point of uh, what we're going to do, and I, and I know we're, we're going to be running short, uh, so I've kind of edited on the fly here. Jonathan, you can just leave this slide up, forget the others. Um, we have talked, Jonathan and I have talked this week, and how marriage, um, any marriage is, uh, let me say this, restate that, the, the institution of marriage is to be a reflection of the love and the relationship of Jesus Christ and his church. It's the earthly model. It's the earthly uh, reflection of that. Uh, we look at Ephesians Five and, and we read verses like, Husbands, love your wives. What? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And we were talking about this passage this morning. And the whole thing is, is really about our submission to, 
to God ultimately. But I also think that our marriages then reflect, uh, reflect out upon all of our relationships. If you're a lousy husband, chances are good you're going to be a lousy friend. You're going to struggle in other relationships. And if you're struggling in all relationships, there's a good probability you're going to struggle in your marriage. Because it's not about the relationships, it's about what's in you. It's what's in you. That you have issues, that you have struggles and and problems. And I want to kind of look at that uh, briefly here. And if you would, take your Bibles, and we're going to see how, uh, I guess this would be better called the heart of, of love this morning. But if you would turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And we see probably one of the great examples of love in all the scriptures. Because ultimately, when we talk about marriage, when we talk about relationships, we're talking about love. We stood at an altar 50 years ago, and we pledged our love to one another. We stood there and we said the vows, you know, for better or worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. We hadn't, our pastor was right. He said, you don't have a clue what love is. And he was absolutely right. Amen? Those of you who have been married a bunch of years, did you have any idea when you got married what you were getting into? Did you have any idea of the heartaches and the, the sorrows you would go through? How many of us thought about that? I sure didn't. And when he said that, I remember being offended, but it was absolutely right. We didn't understand love in large part because I had not grown up in a Christian home. Uh, I'd gone to church a few times, went through uh, confirmation in the church and, and, you know, memorized all the right things, the Apostles' Creed and all those other things. And, and I went to church once in a while um, on Rare occasions when I wasn't doing something else, I would go with my mom and my three sisters and uh, we would go to church. Um, when I didn't go to church, I stayed home, set the house on fire once. That's another story. Um, and, and Judy had prayed to receive Jesus at a very early age, but really just never, ever grew in any kind of discipleship. So we really... We really were just making it up as we went along. It wasn't until we'd been married about five years. Five years. We had known each other all our lives. We had dated for almost five years. We were married for almost five years before we ever talked about anything spiritual. Isn't that amazing? And when we did, man, God moved in through all kinds of people, and Jesus grabbed hold of our lives. And all of a sudden, we're looking at things entirely from a different direction than we had been. And I have no question in my mind, 
No question at all. In spite of the faith and determination of my wife, I have no doubt that we probably wouldn't have made it to 50 years had it not been for that. We had to learn to love, and we had to learn to love with the right love. And that's what we see in John 13. It was just before the Passover feast it begins. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. There are different interpretations of that. My personal interpretation is that, that now he's going to show them in the days and weeks to come and through eternity how much he loves his children. There's going to be a, a very visible, a very tangible demonstration of that love. And he starts with the meal. There's this, well, it, it, if you want to write down just a brief outline, the first thing was determination. We have to decide that we are going to love one another. We have to decide that you're going to love your spouse, that you're going to love your friends, that you're going to love this church. Whatever relationship is, is in your brain right now that you're thinking about, there is a level of determination to that. We have been sold this bill of goods that everything's about feelings. <laughs> oh man, the song from the 70s just popped in my head. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. What a bunch of drivel. We choose to love. We choose to love. Jesus chose to love. Having, lo having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. There's a determination. The next thing you're going to see is there's a service to this. There's a service in all of this. And, and I'm not going to read the whole passage. You can do that. But what, what Jesus does is remarkable and incredible and shocking to his disciples. He gets up in the midst of the meal and he, and he takes the towel and he goes around disciple to disciple to disciple to disciple and he gets down on his knees and he washes their feet. Now we've talked about this before. You know that in those days uh, you walked a lot in open sandals at best and it was dusty and dirty and you probably stepped in stuff sometimes on the roads. Feet were filthy. It was the job of the lowest servant of all to wash the master's feet. Here the master is washing his followers' feet. And there's protest. Peter says, wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't. Jesus, you shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus rebukes him. There's protest and then there's betrayal. Judas, who had walked with him all this time, had sold Jesus out.
There's sacrifice as well. Jesus, knowing that Judas has betrayed him, in verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. And here's the heart of the love that we are to have for one another. And it's exactly what Jesus says. In verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give you, love one another. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You get the idea that Jesus is kind of driving the point home about love one another. Three elements to this one commandment. First is love one another. That's the what. We are to, we are to express love to, to each other. In our marriages, in, to our children, and, and to our grandchildren, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our church, there is to be love in the heart of the believer, of the follower of Christ. Anybody struggle with that? I'm the only one, and I'm the pastor. Nobody said that would be necessarily easy. But it is what? To love one another. What would happen if we in our marriages, in our families, in the church would grab hold of that? Those three words, love one another. And he doesn't just leave it there and say, just, I'll go love one another. He demonstrates it to us. He shows us how. He says, as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. And you go, hey, that's cool. That's great. Jesus kind of ate with them and shared with them and went to a cross. He died for them. As I have loved you. To this you were called, Peter writes, that you should that you should walk in his steps. And those steps took Jesus to suffering. Love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. How did Jesus love us? Oh, just a couple of things here. First, he loved us realistically. He loves us realistically. Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows me. He knows all my failures and my weaknesses and my struggles. And he loves me. He loves you realistically. And he loves us unconditionally. I've heard Jonathan say it before. I've said it before. There is nothing, nothing you can do that will cause God to stop loving you. 
Nothing. You can reject him. You can call him a liar, a lunatic. You can call him anything you want to call him. You can become an atheist and say, I don't believe there is a God and God will still love you. And it will break his heart that your unbelief condemns you to hell. He loves us realistically. He loves us unconditionally. And he loves us, of course, sacrificially. Sacrificially. That's what the cross is all about. It was a sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice for the people you love? Are you a person of sacrifice? You see, we can't sit here and and talk about love, and we can't sit here and sing to God and say, oh, God, we love you. We think you're great. We think you're wonderful. If we're not going to be people of sacrifice... We're called to give. We are called to give of who we are and of what we have. We're called, as John says in 1 John, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us. We've been singing it. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Guess what? We are to take that love and we are to lavish it upon others. Let me ask you, this is a hard question. I hate to ask this one because I have to look deep inside as well. Does your spouse, does you, do your friends, do your neighbors, do the people sitting in the chairs around you, do they feel God's love when they are in contact with you? As I have loved you, you also must love one another. That's the how. And finally, there is the why. The why. Verse 35, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If we are truly disciples of Christ, our marriage, our friendships, our relationships in the church, our relationships across the board will reflect that. And people will know and see by our love that we are disciples of Christ. If you're truly a disciple of Jesus, you will love with the love Jesus loved with. Period. I know we fail. I know we struggle with it. We all do. And in those moments, we have to come back and remember that God still loves us. 
But let's not accept our failures. You see, I've met a lot of people over the years, a lot of church people who say, Oh, I'm a Christian. And then you start to look at their lives and, and there's no reflection of the love of God anywhere in their life. Saying you're a disciple doesn't make you a disciple. By this shall all men know, all men know that you are my disciple, that you love one another. And if you want to know what that looks like, we don't have time to go into it, but I would challenge you to look at passages and read with fresh eyes 1 Corinthians 13. It's, it's one of those, sadly one of those passages that we've read so often, so many times, that it loses its impact to us. We've heard it about every wedding, I think, that I've ever done has had 1 Corinthians 13 somewhere in it. Anytime you talk about love, somebody brings up 1 Corinthians 13. It's a great passage. We used to do marriage retreats, and we would have a checklist of all those elements. Say, how are we doing? One last thing, and then I will move out of here. We are to love with the love of Jesus. And I know this is pretty basic stuff. But we need to understand something. And if you would turn one more, just turn a few pages back to the book of Galatians and to the sixth chapter of that letter of Paul. When it comes to relationships, whatever you want to plug into that, whatever meaning you want to plug into relationships, there is a simple law that governs the quality and the depth of those relationships. Whether we're talking about our relationship with God, our relationship with a spouse, our relationship with children, our relationship with family, friends, neighbors, whatever the relationship. This law governs them all. It's called the law of the harvest, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let me read it, just three parts to it. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That's simple. You get out of relationships what you put into relationships. I grew up on a farm outside of Walnut, Illinois, 160-acre farm. And in those days, for my dad, a tenant farmer, every square inch of that dirt mattered. And I watched him work diligently in the spring, planting and, and uh, then cultivating. Um, I just remember how he planted in the very beginning from what they call uh, check row. Uh, where you could cultivate and diagonally and 
back and forth, and he would pray through the summer that the rains and the sun would come at the right times and in the right proportions, and then pray for a good harvest in the fall so that we could get through to the next year. But it was hard work. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. For those of you students going back into school, this, this har- law of the harvest makes a huge difference. You reap what you sow. Whatever work you put in to this um, is what you will get out. In relationships, if you don't work at them, they're like a garden that turns to weeds. Let me just, I, I, need, to, I need to quit. Um, the bottom line is, it's because of the love of Jesus Christ that we can love it all. Paul writes in Galatians in that passage, he says, some sow to the spirit, you can sow to the spirit, you can sow to the flesh, two fields. That's all you have. You don't have a third field or a fourth field or a fifth field. You have two fields, the flesh. You can sow and you can do whatever you want. You can be selfish. You can thumb your nose at God and God and mock God and say, hey, God, I don't believe you or I, I believe you, but I'm going to go my own way anyway. Or you can sow to the Spirit. A new commandment I give you. Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, so also must you love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples, that you love one another. Father, thank you. I don't know what this means to anybody today, really. It's, I know we, we've heard all these words before. We've heard dozens and dozens and dozens of messages, I'm sure, on, on love. It's so easy just to kind of be numbed by it. But what else defines us as believers, if not love. You loved us enough that you went to a cross and died for us so that we have a way. You made the way for us. And it was painful. It was humiliating. It was hard. And you did it. God, may we learn in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, within this body, your church, may we learn to be sacrificial and realistic and unconditional in our love. Because of your love, we can love. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.